got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Adam Drovetta on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. We've got more RCST trivia coming at you in the 4 o'clock hour. We're going to be joined by Jesse Newell at 340 to talk some KU hoops. Kevin Flaherty joins the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. And uh, we've also got another edition of our KU Club interviews brought to you by Johnny's Tavern in North Lawrence. We're going to talk again with Andy Stewart, the KU rugby head coach. They're going on to Nationals. They need some support to get down there. Going to Allington. Yeah, that's right. And uh, that is uh, pretty good. Pretty good Australian accent there. Better than I could do, so I'm not even going to attempt it. Um, But, yeah, Andy's going to join us. Always uh, love hearing his soothing voice here on the airwaves here. Uh, By the way, RCST brought to you by T-Mobile. T-Mobile has amazing deals for everyone at any of the Lawrence locations. Don't choose between value or coverage. Get both with T-Mobile. I do want to open the show, though, with some KU football talk because we hadn't really made mention of a lot of the transfers that were happening. I mean, we made mention of the fact that it was happening, that KU was losing, you know, a handful, two handfuls of, of players to the transfer portal. But the idea was... This might not be the worst thing in the world. Clearly, you don't want players to transfer out, but it might not be the worst thing in the world because you're kind of operating on this, hey, if we lose 10 guys, we can bring 10 guys back in the other way with the transfer portal. And when you look at some of the guys they brought in in the transfer portal over the winter, like you see these guys who are going to impact the team, who are going to be either starters or very high on the two deep, whether it's Craig Young, Eric Gilliard, Kai Thomas. Like You see all these guys who are going to have a big impact on the field as soon as this season for KU, and it almost creates this, okay, maybe we're losing that guy, but that guy was our fourth string whatever, and maybe he would have played by the time he was a junior or senior, but again, we can bring somebody in the transfer portal, and you can say, well, yeah, but the transfer portal guy might only have one more year left to play, although a lot of them do have two or three years left as well, but then guess what? You can just bring in another transfer portal guy to replace that. Um, Yesterday was the first time, I think, that we saw somebody go on the transfer portal that it was like, oh, no, that's not great. L.J. Arnold. And it happened right at the end of our show yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it did. Um, look, real quick, before we get into L.J. Arnold specifically, I just want to ask you a random question that just popped mm, into my I head. I love random questions. With this, when the COVID year expires, when nobody has the extra code, because anybody who played during the COVID season gets an extra year of eligibility, period. Now, with the with the transfer portal being as it is, because the guy, you know, the guys don't have to players, guys and, and women, the players don't have to sit out a year anymore like they used to, unless they got a special exemption. Um, do you think that the number it, it's still going to be higher than it used to when you had to redshirt for a year after transferring? But I actually think the transfer portal numbers will get less ridiculous with time. Partly because I think a lot of players are going to just, it's like a new thing now and they're going to, you know, kind of st- you know, realize the grass isn't always greener. 
But then also, I think it's going to be less with this um, COVID, the extra COVID year, because I think a lot of the guys transferring, now LJ Arnold is not an example of this, but I think a lot of the guys transferring are guys transferring who had an extra year of eligibility that they wouldn't have otherwise had. Well, yeah, I mean, first of all, that just expands the player base. Like, yeah. There's more players because of that. Second of all, it's going to, to your point, either if you have that extra year, you're going to say, hey, maybe I haven't won yet, or maybe I want to go to this other school, and you're going to use your last year there. Or you're going to say, if I'm staying at my current school, that's going to make one of the guys who, you know, maybe they came in as a freshman and they sat behind you for two years and said, okay, junior year is going to be my year. But then it's like, oh, he gets an extra year because of COVID. Yep. I'm going to go somewhere else. So, yeah, it, it does kind of add to I, I do agree with that, and I think it will kind of drop down in a few years. But LJ Arnold um, is a guy who, big receiver, he uh, played in um, – 11 games I've got in the 2021 stats right season. Here if you want them. Yeah, yeah, go for it. I, I know he started nine of them. He caught 27 passes for 316 yards and three touchdowns. And he was, I, I think he had the game winning touchdown in the opening game against uh, South Dakota State. Was that him? Or was it South Dakota? Whatever. Um, yeah, I think it was. Um, it was South Dakota. Nonetheless, he was like considered to be a for sure starter for this team. Now, if you want to toss around the word number one receiver, I don't know how important that is in the type of offense KU is going to be running unless it is like a legit, like, you know, if you have Julio Jones. Yeah, if like, you've yes. got a dude that can potentially. It's like um, when, you know, Calvin Johnson was at Georgia Tech, a school that famously, system that famously didn't throw very much. When you have a freak like that, he's your you're going to be willing to change things up a little yeah. bit. Yeah, but outside of that, it's just like he's just a starting receiver, and he was. So um, to lose that isn't great, especially when you have – I mean, he's a guy who you look at because of the height, six foot five. Um, he was a second year freshman last year because of the COVID year, technically. So uh, he would hail, still have this year and two more years after that. So technically three years left of eligibility. That's a big loss in that way. And, and KU also lost Magic Rector last night. But again, like that goes back in the category of. Okay, it's a it's a young guy who was a freshman last year. Maybe he had the potential to develop into somebody who was going to impact things and maybe be a good player for you by the time he was a, a junior or senior. But if you lose him and you bring in somebody else who's an impact player in the transfer portal, you're not fretting too much. The LJ Arnold one is tough because it's A, are you going to be able to get someone just as good as him in the transfer portal? B, are you going to be able to get someone, even if he is as, as good as him with as many years that he has, and C, you don't see a lot of 6'5 athletes playing receiver at schools like Kansas very often. Um, okay, I'm, I'm trying to pull up his 24-7 recruiting profile just to see if this may give an idea of where he winds up. Other schools that were in on him, now I don't know how in they were. Now, it's, it's important to note that the dude who recruited him was Emmett Jones. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's the biggest note there. Yeah, but other schools that were in on him, Boston College, Cal, Colorado, and Havid. Um, <laughs> that's quite the different. I'm guessing. Yeah. I, I don't know if it was one of those things where he was a really smart kid, and he wanted to apply to Harvard to you know show you know because you got to be pretty impressive to be. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know if that was it, but I don't know if he ever really planned on playing Ivy League ball. But that may give you an idea of places he's looking at. Um, but that's not necessarily the. I'm just giving you know that's just a, a maybe a, a place to start. But I I don't know if that's um, if if there's any, if that means anything, he may be going. Where did Emmett Jones wind up? That's the thing. He's at Texas Tech now. Okay, and, and, I, and L.J. Arnold he's from Texas, he's right? From Desoto, Texas. Yeah. So like, I can't help but think this doesn't have something to do with that. But also, 
The weird part about that. And they just got a new coach, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Uh, Joey McGuire, I want to say his name, Ryan McGuire, something like that. He's like um, a million years old, but very he, excitable. He, uh, the thing that's weird about this is that you would think if, hey, I want to follow Emma Jones, because he does have a great relationship with him again from Texas. So, like, it makes sense. But why now? Why not when that move was made for Emma Jones, you know, before That's the spring before spring ball? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Maybe, I don't know, there, there's more to it, logistics and, and stuff. Uh, Kenny Logan took to Twitter. He seemed pretty shocked about it. And, you know, it, who knows? Maybe it's even a, a situation like you brought up with Tyrese Hunter, with the Iowa State point guard. I was transferring away and uh, how C.J. Moore was, was putting on the athletic that, you know, there's kind of some rumblings around it that it has to do with NIL opportunities. And, and you brought up the idea that, like, it's, I don't know, as, as distant as a story that seems on the basketball court, that's probably something that's going to happen to KU football. And I don't know if L.J. Arnold would be the case, because do you really think, like, Alabama's sitting there going, man, we no, got to no, get this I, kid? I, I, no, I have a hard time. It's it's uh, like that. To clear this but up. But it could. I don't know. Um, Texas Tech's head coach is only 50. I thought he was older because there was a big discussion about how he was old considering that was his first head coaching job. Mm. Uh, however, so he's not. Uh, but back to that point. No, I, I kind of have a hard time believing. I just, like, I don't know that he showed out him a, a, a enough for an actual big, big school to want him. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, they, they have smart people, too. Um or maybe a, a coach, you know, like, I, I don't know, maybe an assistant who was at Colorado recruiting him out of high school is now, I mean, I don't know what their staff looks like, so I don't know, now maybe he's at, at a different college and says, hey, I remember recruiting you, you've looked pretty good at KU, and now maybe that guy happens to be at a, at a bigger school. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I, I don't mean, like, when we're bringing this up, I'm not saying, like, sky is falling or anything like that. It's it's not, like, that big of a deal. But this but is the first one. Exactly, we, where we, you scratch your head about We've gone on the record on this show multiple times saying, well, we've we kind of been openly excited about the transfers because mm-hmm. it's been guys that we didn't expect to contribute much this year, and we thought, hey, maybe they could replace them with people who may contribute sooner, this year or next. This is the first guy where you looked at and went, no, he was a guy who probably – I mean, this this wasn't, gonna, this wasn't a transfer um, – Unless something's crazy, it's changed. I don't think this is a matter of I want to go get more playing time somewhere. Because no. I, he was set to get, I think, plenty of playing time um, in Lawrence. Yeah, again, like he, he was going to be a starter. Um, he could end up leading your team in receiving yards. You lost Kwame Laster this past season, who was definitely your best receiver last year, and uh, he graduated. And as far as returning receiving yards and, and receptions, Arnold was tied for the most of the returners. Last year at 59 for 653. Trevor Wilson had the same amount of catches as him, 364 yards. Arnold had 316, um, but had more touchdowns than Trevor Wilson. So, you know, I, I think they can still be fine there. Um, it's, you know, Trevor Wilson's kind of your long ball guy, speed guy. Luke Grimm is a really good kind of slot receiver for you. I think Steven McBride has some potential there. We didn't necessarily get to see him totally showcased on the outside, but certainly now that he's gone, I think while, like you said, most of the guys that were transferring were guys where they probably weren't going to have that big of an impact on the field this year, and it did get you a little excited that, okay, we're, we're trading this away for somebody who could be on the two deep, who could mm-hmm. come in and be our fifth starting offensive lineman, or who could come in and, and be an extra starting corner or defensive lineman, whatever it is, 
for KU, this is one that you can't just chase and say, yeah, we lost this scholarship. We'll just bring in a position that we need. Now you have a position of need at the spot you lost with receiver. They have to go out there and probably bring in at least two receivers out of the the portal, which I, I know isn't probably ideal for them because of the fact they've talked about um, that receiver position was probably already over scholarship. although now that you do lose him and Magic Rector, maybe that helps you uh, kind of overcome that thought. But um, they have to at least get one receiver in the portal who can be like a, a starting receiver. They have to. What about the possibility that, and again, I don't think this is the case because they used him last year. Um, what about the possibility, since they are over scholarship, do you think it's at all possible that somebody really showed out in spring ball and he just got buried? I don't think that's the case. Uh, I mean, it's it's possible, but like again, it's hard to argue he wouldn't be one of the two or three best it's, receivers it's, on yeah, the team. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to look at what they lost at receiver last year and what he did because um, he was a contributing receiver last year. It, it's just hard. Like I, I don't know. I, I think it, it's very possible he winds up at a, a college, maybe like Texas Tech, where you can get a connection to an old coach that recruited him. Um, maybe a, a more conference contender type team. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I, I really am excited about Devin Neal, but maybe he wants to play for a maybe different style quarterback or maybe just a, a better quarterback. I mean, Devin Neal's a really good quarterback. Don't oh, you me mean Jalen Daniels? Or Jalen Daniels, Devin Neal's the running back. I'm sorry. Um, Jalen Daniels, um, but maybe, yeah, so maybe, he, you know, Jalen Daniels, I'm excited about the quarterback position. I, again, we go back to him and, and Bean. I assume it's going to be Jalen Daniels. Um, but it's probably, maybe he's maybe he knows of an opportunity to play for a, a, a an even better quarterback because Jalen Daniels is better kind of compared to what we've seen at KU, but he's still not, you know, a Heisman contender. Yeah, we'll wait and see. I'm, I'm curious where he does uh, end up. But this is, yeah, the first one where... If, if think, he winds up someone, like, if we find out in a week that he's at, like, Tulane, it's going to be, like... Really weird, eh, something, yeah. Something's not okay. Yeah, but, um, again, like, I think you have trust in the coaching staff. I think you have trust in the way that they've operated on the transfer portal so far that I don't think it would be... That surprising if KU did get eventually someone in the portal who does have as big of an impact, if not more than what LJ Arnold could have this season. Just unfortunate because I think he did have a a bright future, and it does make you have to um, now maybe change up your plans a little bit in the receiver room as he's kind of the first big name um, to go. But uh, I'm looking forward to see who they do add in the uh, transfer portal, and certainly that receiver position now becomes one that I'm certainly on the lookout for. All right, he's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. Jesse Newell will join the show in about 20 minutes from right now. This is RCST on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, depending on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. RCST brought to you by T-Mobile. T-Mobile has faster speeds with 5G as fast as Wi-Fi and up to 15 times faster than 4G. T-Mobile covers over 100 million Americans with their high-performance ultra-capacity 5G. Uh, just wrapping up the conversation on that other end uh, of KU football and losing LJ Arnold, one thing that I do think is of note to bring up, you know, KU wants to be a run-first team. I mean, they, they were last year. Um, 
It could also just be possible that LJ Arnold wanted to be in more of a throw first offense. And also for KU, like the positive of that is I think it, even if you don't go out there and, and pick up a good, you know, transfer in the transfer portal at receiver, it definitely mitigates how, I guess, important, like KU's still going to throw the balls and you want to have good receivers, but they are a run first offense. So it does mitigate like how, I guess, impactful the loss of LJ Arnold will be. Yeah, if his thought is, is you know, really putting his skills on display for potentially playing, I don't know enough about him and I'm not a good enough scout to know if he's like a next level guy. But a lot of college players think they're next level guys. So if I, I don't want to, you know, but if his thought is I want to put my skills on display to maximize my opportunities to get scouted at the next level, this is not a system to do that in. And if that's his reasoning, then then good luck to him. I, you know, I I hope he f- lands somewhere where he's comfortable and and he does well. All right, our uh, daily poll from yesterday was favorite non-title game David McCormick NCAA tournament moment. The and one against Miami won the vote at 39%. I think that won our hearts, but we both said the block was more important. Yes. Uh, the poster dunk over Jermaine Samuels, 35% in second. Raising the roof, just in general, 20% in third. That block versus Creighton, even though it was the most important, as we said. The, the thing about the block. six percent The block over against Creighton wasn't. Like nothing flashy. You were still happened. like on the edge of your, she- your exactly. seat, too. That and like uh-oh. nothing flashy happened after that. Like the great, like the end one was a great play in and of itself, but then his wild celebration afterwards, where he just he lost full control of his body and just had this big smile and was just screaming. That was like that. I think there was like KU was in such a tight game at that point against Creighton that they didn't have time to have a big celebratory moment. Mm-hmm. But to uh, make that block, and it, it wasn't even a block out of bounds, right? KU gave, no, it was a block off, off the backboard, backboard right? yeah. yeah. And, and they KU got the, got the board, so mm-hmm. got the rebound. So that was huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, to not only get a block in a three-point with a three-point lead, to get the block and, and your team get it back with a three-point lead. Yeah. It really is crazy, like, looking back how close KU was to losing to Creighton. And it took an an unearthly Creighton, uh, uh, you know, game shooting threes. And I, I know you you could probably see some people who would say, well, if Creighton, Creighton did that and they didn't even have their starting center, who's one of their best players. And that while that's all true, it's not as simple just to say, oh, they only lost by this and it was a this point game with this much time left. You add another player, that adds eight points or something like that. Um, I, I almost think that the way Creighton played in that game because of the injury – where they had to play a small ball five where all five of the guys on the court could shoot as opposed to the center being someone who couldn't shoot and would be, you know, it it lessened the spacing, but it would help them on the defensive end. I almost think that helped Creighton in that game. I really do. Stylistically, like that is what gave KU problems this year. And it made scouting more difficult. Mm -hmm. Villanova is a good example. KU had now on the other side, Villanova had an entire almost a full week to plan what they were going to do without their injured player. But KU had a full week to scout, or about a week to scout and prep what what it would look, what their style might look like. Any scouting KU did um, for Creighton going into that week was was with that player in mind. With that, he was a center, right? Yes, it was with that center in mind, um, and and so that you know, I, I think it, as as much of it as it hurt Creighton that that they didn't have time to really turn around and put a new style or put a new game plan together. KU didn't have time to scout that style either. Yeah. Okay, so today's daily poll, um, who's your early pick to start at center next season? 
as we uh, put a book in the David McCormick era at KU. Um, let's see what two, technically two and a half years starting center because of the Yudoka Azubuki injury. Um, four year player, so. What do you uh, there's a big hole there. What do you mean, like the guy who will start opening night or get the most starts at center? Yeah, honestly, I guess personal preference. Um, I would venture more to the side of who gets the most. Okay. Um, but again, you can vote however you want. That's, I guess, the beauty of voting. Everybody can interpret it a different way. So here's the options we're putting on the poll. At RCST 1320, Zach Clements, mm-hmm. KJ Adams, Ernest Uday, the young freshman coming in. And then option four is other, which you could say Cam Martin, you could say you think they're going to go out on the transfer portal and get someone. What would you say? I really am leaning upset and thinking Ernest Duday, but I'll go Clements. Now, out of out of curiosity, when you asked that question, were you leaning Uday for the long term, but somebody else for the like right at the start of the season? Yeah, I think Clements gets it. I I just think Uday. I think self. If if Uday shows an ability to really show out against, um, and, and really not just show out, but hold his own against Big 12-level competition, I think Self is going to so badly want that traditional scoring, you know, guy who can score in the blocks. Um, and Uday at this moment seems to be the guy most like most candidate to do, most likely candidate to do that. But I, I think Clements is uh, a possibility. I'll be interested to see what kind of work he puts in this season to see what kind of, if he develops a game at the blocks. Yeah, that's the key. Like with Clements and Martin, can either one develop a a game on the blocks? I'm not really viewing that as much with KJ Adams. To me, he is more of a four man who you would play next to Zach Clements or um, Cam Martin, unless he can start to shoot the ball. Then that prerequisite maybe wouldn't be needed. But yeah, Ernest Uday, I don't know. I, I I kind of am getting there with you. Like the the defensive ability, the rebounding, according to the scouting report stuff. Seems to be a little bit more raw offensively in terms of on the block, but um, I know one of the things mentioned in the 24-7 scouting report was that he does have a good right-handed hook shot. So um, if he's Mitch Lightfoot where that's his only move, but he's good at it, and he's good at throwing down dunks and catching lobs and rebounding a defense, it might be him, but also Zach Clements does have the advantage of a year in the Bill Self system. Yeah, I I don't know how that's true. I'd be interested to see how athletic and bouncy Uday is because one thing about McCormick is, and maybe it was the foot, but he was not particularly bouncy. Like, if you just, on a flat-footed bounce, Christian Brown could get up almost as high as David McCormick could get up. When on, Yeah. You know, he got a dude six, normally guys, like athletic 6'10 guys don't get stuffed by the rim. No. And again, I think part of that was, was the foot. Uh, but my point is, if, if Uday shows a little more athleticism than that and, and has bounced along with a 6'10 frame, I think that, that will take him a long way. I'm going to lean Zach Clements um, for what it's worth. But, yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a Ernest Uday. I really wouldn't be surprised, though, if it is other, if they do try to find somebody on the transfer portal. I think it would have to be the right situation. They wouldn't just bring in a center just to compete this year yeah, because yeah. they do have a lot of competition. If they bring in a center, it'd have to be someone who they do view as like, yeah, you can be an all-Big 12 player. You can start right away. Now, the thing about Ernest Uday, he's from Nigeria, maybe? I know he's from somewhere in Africa. Self hasn't spent much time having like when was the last has he ever had a a a center from Africa play for him before? Mm. Not one that I can think of. I don't know where Uday is from. Um, I know he he plays high school ball in the United States. I just think he's which from, a lot of I them do. I think he's from Nigeria. We could put that as like trivia questions, but I feel like it'd be too hard. It's like Joel Embiid is from 
I think Joel Embiid was Cameroon, he's right? From, uh, well, to your point about the Africa thing. Obviously, from, you were being facetious, but um, uh, he was from Nun Nun. <laughs> what did you not? There was a graphic when Kansas with that game that they lost to oh, San Diego yeah, State. Yeah, 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 they didn't fill out his hometown, yeah, so it just none, said none, comma none. none. Yeah, he was from none, none. But he went to. He was from Cameroon. Cameroon he, yeah, he uh, went to high school in in Florida, I believe, at IMG Academy. And then you have uh, Sasha Khan, who again was from Russia. I think he went to high school in Florida too, at least for his senior. That year. sounds familiar. Yeah, I don't know where he went. Uh, yeah, I mean, to your point, like. <laughs> Uday uh, goes to Dr. Phillips High School in uh, Orlando. Well, I mean, that worked out for KU in the past, though, to your point on, on Af- centers. Yeah, African centers. Yeah. Dokazbuki. Which I think, uh, you know who I think Joel started Bede. a big part of that pipeline? Not just um, um, sorry, not just from uh, uh, KU standpoint, but just African uh, basket, particularly centers. It was uh, uh, Mba Mute. Really? Yeah. I think that From was UCLA. Where, I think that's where Embiid got discovered, was one of his camps in Africa. Cool story. Uh, by the way, I should make mention of this. We've honestly talked probably too much about Kendrick Davis, given that he might not even come to Kansas and everything but uh he cut his list from seven which it was yesterday now down to five i hope this keeps getting cut i hope by tomorrow it's like down to three and so forth um but it is now down to five the two schools he cut out of the list were gonzaga and texas um so it's interesting uh jeff goodman today took to twitter and said memphis appears to be the clear front runner makes sense i I found this tweet kansas commit ernest uday jr says he 1000 percent would like to play for the nigeria national team someday so he's from nigeria all right, we're going to take a timeout. Jesse Newell, Kansas City Star, KansasCity.com. Going to join us next. This is RCST brought to you by T-Mobile. We continue on with Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star, KansasCity.com, joining us here. So the news yesterday, David McCormick officially going pro. Wording made it sound like it wasn't just, hey, I'm testing, and we're going to see what happens. It's very much, no, I'm, I'm gone. KU career is over. So turning the page. Looking ahead for KU, we just put this up on our daily poll for uh, who do you expect to be the starting center for KU come the 2022-2023 season. You can interpret it however you want. Who do you expect to be the opening day center? Who do you expect to start the most games? I don't know. Take it whichever way you want. Um, But the options we put up there are uh, KJ Adams, Zach Clements, Ernest Uday, and other, which I guess could be Cam Martin. It could be a transfer portal, something like that. What would be your way-too-early guess for uh, the KU starting center next season, Jesse? <laughs> it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, it, that's a really good question. I bet the uh, – without looking at it, I bet the the poll is split and probably should be. Uh, my vote would be Zach Clements. I would think that, you know, with another year of strength, and comfortability, and Bill Self liking his toughness and his ability to rebound. You know, Bill Self hasn't played, played with many stretch fives before, but he probably would be eager to see what that looks like, especially facing some teams this year like, you know, the Brady Manics of the world or the Tanner Groves of the world that really can make things difficult defensively on you if you can stretch it from all five spots. So I, I would say him, except, you know, there's always the question, you know, is he going to transfer? Is he going to stick around? Is, was he happy with his first year in Lawrence and, and convinced that he would play a bunch? I guess that's still a question. And the other part of this is just the transfer portal. And dudes always just continually pop up there that you might not expect. I remember the 
uh, the Kobe Coburn last year, where like, hey, nobody saw him coming, and then everybody wanted him to be recruited over the top of Dave last year. And obviously, you know, things worked out just fine for Kansas and keeping Dave and trusting him over time. So I'd probably start with Zach. I would probably go to other next, because I would figure that if Zach Clemens did leave, then KU would probably be searching in the transfer portal for somebody else. And uh, beyond that, it's probably options that Bill Self would not prefer, to be totally frank with you. You know, K.J. Adams is a good athletic player who, you know, needs to develop more off on the offensive end, probably a couple years away from that. And then um, Ernest Uday is just a freshman. He's a freshman in, in the Kansas system that usually requires Bill Self to have you learn things about the offense and defense for a little while before he throws you in there as a freshman. So I'll go with Zach Clements. And other would be my number two, and I still feel like, uh, you could juggle a lot of things based off of how all this goes early in the off season and over the next couple of weeks where Bill's self roster could look a little bit different based on what we think right now. But if Zach Clemens stays, I'd say he's the guy for Kansas. Yeah, I one thing that I'm interested with that entire center position is even in the case of Clemens, um, because he is more of a stretch five, but we didn't really see much of a, you know, back to the basket on the block type of game from him. And maybe it, it's there, it's just we didn't see it because we didn't see a huge sample size of him on the court, but like you said, Ernest Uday, like he might be a little bit more raw on that end. KJ Adams obviously is not uh, really a guy that you would throw the ball on the block to and, and say just go to work. Um, Cam Martin, again, I, I I don't know. Maybe he does have that, but um, even if, if KU is changing up like how they're playing with a stretch five, I, I'm, I, I can't imagine Bill Self is, is ever going to want to completely just give up, hey, let's have a post threat that we can throw the ball to on the block and let him go to work one-on-one or let him hit a hook shot or, or whatever it is. And I'm struggling to kind of find that guy on this roster, which does kind of make me wonder if it is going to be the transfer portal route. Yeah, the thing I will say with um... – the thing I will say with uh, with that in particular is that's also something that can develop over time with a guy like Zach Clemens, you know. And I remember there was an Oklahoma State possession that KU had at home and one of their best ones of the year where they zip the ball side to side, side to side, side to side, and eventually they threw that pass over the top to Zach Clemens who had sealed his man and he got a layup inside. So I think Zach can do it. Now, again, is he Thomas Robinson? Is he going to be able to back somebody down, do three post moves, and do a turnaround hook? No, probably not. Not at this point in his career. Uh, but we saw a guy like Mitch Lightfoot. You know, if you practice that enough over six or seven years, you're going to get pretty good at it, too. So I just think that Zach stretches you in a different way. And K really has never or has not much utilized a pick and pop when it comes to his big man. I'm trying to think. I mean, Deidre Lawson a little bit. I remember him shooting threes during his one year at Kansas, and that was effective for the Jacks in what was overall a down year because, you know, Deidre was not a great defender, and the whole team was not great defenders in that particular year. But um, that, that, that's kind of what I'm thinking here. You know, if, if you're asking Zach Clements to do that and score with angles, you're basically trying to teach him a new skill. But what the benefit of that is, is if he gets that skill, let's say he gets that skill down to a C for a Bill Self big man. Well, you still have the pick and pop you can play to. You still have his shot blocking you can play to defensively. He's still a great rebounder on the defensive end. He can grab some offensive rebounds too. So it's like he has a, a pretty high ceiling there because he can do some other stuff really well. And again, it might not be a perfect build up high low. Okay, you're up against one against North Carolina, dump the ball inside. But, uh, you know, Bill Self has evolved quite a bit over here over the last few years and what he's done offensively, you know, um, what he's done to clear sides, what he's done with four out and sometimes five out offenses. So, 
it'll be different from what he normally does, but I still think that Zach Clemens probably gives them the most natural progression, and it won't be the 100% Bill Self dump it in, get two offense, but I think it could be that a little bit of the time, and along with the rest of what Zach Clemens could give you, it could be a really nice package and something a little bit different than what you've seen from Bill Self's teams here in the past. Yeah, it is. That is kind of interesting. The next evolution, you go from the that high low uh, with the two bigs to then the four round one, and and maybe that is the next one. And I know um, our other guest we're gonna have on today, Kevin Flaherty, has brought up the uh, oh gosh, I don't even remember what year it was, twenty eighteen maybe when when Bill Self coached the U uh, eighteen or U nineteen U S national team, and he he had Matthew Hurt on that roster who was kind of a, a stretch four, stretch five type, and he had Jeremiah Robinson Earl. And they did play two bigs next to each other, and he liked to use kind of that high-low stuff with with the stretch. But the flip side of that would be, is KU going to go back to playing two bigs um, to where, you know, you say, okay, well, Zach Clements can be our stretch five, but we have this other four who can go down in the post. I- I'm not sure who that guy would be on the roster, but um, do you think that day has come and gone that there will be two bigs playing next to each other for KU? Well, it's not coming on in basketball because obviously teams like Gonzaga and Arizona are still playing. Too I mean, big. Duke still and, does it, and, and Duke. I mean, they're running with it too. Um, to be completely honest, and this is not something I would have thought six or seven years ago. I I think Bill Self is kind of content to to not have that. Um, here's what's fascinating to me, Derek. So if you remember back like 2012, when you asked Bill Self what was the toughest thing to guard back in 2012, well. what? What was like his nightmare matchup defensively? Because he was a, you know, he's a defensive mastermind, that sort of thing. And he always talked about what was the team he always mentioned? Missouri. Missouri and their four guard lineup with Kim English. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that guy can stretch it. How do you guard him? And basically, can you guard him by taking Jeff Whitty off the floor, which was not ideal for that 2012 Kansas team to take your best defensive player off the floor to try to guard, you know, this, this crazy sort of smaller matchup that was sort of an anomaly back a decade ago. I think if you ask Bill Self right now, and you know, we, we should mention that over time, Bill Self eventually moved to four guards, and they've been doing that over the majority of the last five years. If you ask Bill Self right now, what's the toughest thing to guard defensively? I mean, what is just a nightmare matchup for Kansas recently and a headache when you're trying to game plan? Well, I think he'd say stretch five, right? I mean, how many times do you hear him talk about the Grove brothers or uh, you know the, the pick-and-pop type actions where a guy like Dave McCormick it really put strain on him because – in college basketball, it's so good to have a big man just camp in the lane and block shots, but if you pull that man away, it's, it's really tough. And, you know, it, it, it was tough on Dave throughout the course of this season, and it's been tough on KU in general over the last three or four years. So it's kind of funny. I think when you look at it that way, if you're a coach and you hate going against a certain style, at some point you say, I'd love to play that certain style. I'd love <laughs> to give the other team the headaches. I'd love to give the opponents that same sort of stuff. And um, that's the thing that Bill Self can recruit to now because, you know, he's Kansas and he can get a guy like Zach Clements who can do it all and still rebound inside. So I, I think that's, that's what's important here is Bill Self doesn't want to give up rebounds, especially on the defensive end. He does not want to give up shot blocking and he doesn't want to give up an overall big presence. But Zach Clements kind of allows him to have the best of all worlds there because he is a good defensive rebounder and he is a good rebounder overall and he is tough. And so you have all those qualities and a guy who can, you know, maybe pick and pop and, and make some threes for Kansas and has the ability to do so, it's kind of a nice baby step into the five-out pool, if you will, for Bill Self and maybe allows him to give uh, the rest of the Big 12 the medicine that he hasn't liked getting here over the past, uh, the course of the last three or four years. Yeah, so Bill Self is Vince Vaughn in uh, Anchorman, and other teams with stretch fives are Ron Burgundy. And uh, it's it's the quote of, 
you know, uh, whatever. Damn it, Ron, I, I hate you, but uh, I respect you, or something like that. I, I think <laughs> yeah. I, I messed up that quote. But yeah, so close, yeah. And, and I guess I don't know. You've convinced me enough. Zach Clements is going to be the starting center. I don't even know if you were trying to convince me, but you did. And that Cam Martin will be the guy to spell him, so they can keep playing that way. I I don't know. We'll see. Uh, okay, here's another fun one. As as we're way too early before the season. I don't know, like six months, five months from even late night in the fog. Uh, so billion days away now from the start of the season um, without knowing fully who's going to all even be on the roster. Early prediction, way too early prediction for who leads next year's team in scoring. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that is tough because obviously if <laughs> Christian Brown comes back, you're going to say Christian Brown. Um, Jalen Wilson's up in the air, but he'd be one of the leading candidates. Uh, I will say, I will say more definitively than I should say, I will say Grady Dick. Um, I watched him work out here in town uh, about a month or two ago. Um, watched him train with Peter Danilov, you know, who's the Ukrainian trainer uh, in town who works with a lot of the KU men's basketball players to help them develop their skills. And um, <laughs> I was really impressed. Derek, I mean, that kid, he's, um, again, this is one workout, working out with a trainer and somebody defending him. He wasn't taking threes other than NBA threes in this workout. He has a high release. He gets his shot off well. Uh, he has great length. Um, so it's, it's strange to say this because, I mean, Christian Brown had an amazing year. Saved him in the national title game, did amazing things, developed his defensive game over the course of the year. But, I mean, offensively, I think Grady Dick can be that and maybe a little bit more because he's a better shooter on the outside. He's a quicker shooter. His step back is really, really, really tough to guard. And he gets it off very quickly. Um, so, you know, this is a little troubling because, yeah, I'm probably putting the, the Bobby Witt curse on somebody, you know, coming in freshman year as a rookie and saying that they're going to light the world on fire. But uh, I didn't really know what I was expecting to see from Grady Dick while watching him work out. But what I did see was, uh, pretty amazing. Uh, so, yeah, he needs to – there's things to work on. He's better going right than left. Um, you know, he can still work on some of the shots with that. But the way that he's developed his game and shot up the recruiting rankings lately, uh, I'll go with Brady Dick. I, I, I'm pretty sure he's going to be on Katie's roster next year, which also is a, a good <laughs> sign just based off of these other answers I could give you that I wouldn't be totally sure of. So I'll go with Brady Dick and say that um, he is going to be a high-volume, accurate three-point shooter for Kansas right off the bat, and that's not something you can always say about a freshman coming in. That's exciting that you could have two lethal three-point shooters in the uh, starting five, potentially, with Zach Clements and and Grady Dick, which I would imagine that would help guys like, I don't know, we'll see what Dewan Harris develops into, because he's shown the ability to you know, shoot the the set open three every now and then, um, but a guy like K.J. Adams to to play a little bit more. Um, but, as you do look, though, is is kind of all the things juggling in the air and, and figuring out the roster. I know one of the big names right now that has KU on his finalist list, Kendrick Davis, narrowed it down to five. Uh, I think Jeff Goodman took to Twitter today and said that Memphis is seen as the front runner, but I don't know. Um, to me, this this rings of one of two things. Either maybe there was contact and some interest from KU because he, he seems to be committing so early in the game with KU waiting on a lot of possible roster decisions that either KU does have interest, but he just has them on the list to this stage, even knowing that, you know, he's not going to pick them just to raise the the prestige of it. Or option two is maybe he knows something and 
the coaches have relayed this to him that we don't yet about who could be back for next year's roster. Um, is there anything intriguing to you right now about the fact that Kendrick Davis does have KU uh, on the finalist list? Well, I, I'll start with this. Um, if he wants to come into Kansas, Kansas will find room. So I'm not concerned about, hey, they don't have a spot officially. They don't, you know, the roster's full. I mean, that's, if a kid like this wants to come join you, you find a spot. That, that's the bottom line with it. KU would find a spot. Any school in the country would find a spot. So I, I would be less concerned with that. I mean, everybody, I think, out there thinks he's going to Memphis. So that's obviously the concern if you're, I don't know if concern's the right word. I mean, KU just won a national title. So I'm not sure KU fans should be concerned about much of anything. Um, at this point, based off of next year's roster. Uh, I mean, I think the one thing potentially that, that would give you hope if you're a Kansas fan is, is well, not only that he stays on the finalist list, but uh, he played for Tim Jacobich. You know, I mean, if, you, if you're talking about ties to a program, um, Tim Jacobich to Kansas, uh, with him being an assistant there and being one of Bill Self's best friends. His in the son's world. on the team. His son's on the team. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's, that's the link, right? I mean, that's. That's the end that you want to have to potentially give you a chance. Now, do I think Kay's going to get him because of that? No. <laughs> do I think Memphis is probably going to get him based off of uh, the tea leaves here, even though uh, Kendrick Davis's mom went on Twitter and, and basically told Jeff Goodman that no decision had been made? <laughs> um, I still think it's probably going to be Memphis. Uh, but, yeah, like that's, that's the sort of thing that you want in your favor if you're Kansas, and it, it might give you a puncher shot. Again, this is recruiting. Who knows how it turns out? Who knows if it's a done deal? All those sorts of things. Um, but it can't hurt for Kansas to have the Jankovic tie, and it can't hurt for Kansas to have what happened to Remy Martin this past year have happened and have them win a title. So um, we'll see here in the next couple of days, and that'll be resolved, and KU can move on from there. But, uh, you know, uh, gun to my head, I, I don't think he's come to Kansas, but at least he's a finalist if you're a KU fan, so something to watch for on Friday. Yeah, well, I guess you could also say Larry Brown has the Tim Jankovic connection because that uh, was the guy he let him Very succeed him true. at SMU, and, and he's at Memphis. Okay, uh, so that brings me to Kiss, Mary Kill for today. KU bringing on one of these transfer guards, and, and you can take this however you like. You can take it as best fit. You can take it as most fun. You can do best roster construction. You can take it as most likely to happen, uh, whichever way you want to go. Um, KU bringing on any of these transfer guards, Kiss, Mary Kill. Kendrick Davis, Tyrese Hunter, Nigel Pack. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I will. Uh, I, I guess I'll. <laughs> uh, it's three I'll good players. Ty- yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess I'll kiss. I'll kiss Kendrick Davis just because. I mean, the Remy ties are there, right? I mean, like, if, if you want to play alongside Dewan and be that same sort of impact guy and go from a team that didn't win a bunch and didn't make the NCAA tournament to one that does, then that's a fit, right? I mean, that, that would work. Um, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll kill Tyrese Hunter just because I, I don't think I'm as high on him as other people might be just because of, uh, you know, the numbers out there. Those aren't as good at Iowa State as some of the other guys that are available, uh, the efficiency part of this. You know, he didn't make a bunch of threes. He was only so-so from two. Now he's a great a uh, guy when it comes to steals and assists, but uh, Kate sort of has that guy already in Dewan Harris, so I guess I'll kill that one. I'll kiss Nigel Pack. I mean, you basically would just take him. If he wanted to come to Kansas, you would take him. He's not coming to Kansas, I wouldn't think. And he sort of is in the mold of what Kansas already has, is kind of the undersized guard who can struggle if teams try to post him up. But 
he's sort of like Davis, man. Like if he said, I want to come to Kansas, you take him and you figure it out from there. And he's a knockdown three point shooter that anybody in the country would take because that's such a dangerous weapon offensively. So I guess that's the way I would draw it up right now. But you mentioned it earlier. Okay. You kind of need some clarity on the rest of the roster situation before they make too many decisions. And I would expect that to happen in the next week too. Well, he is, I guess, is still an eligible bachelor because I think you kissed two people and, and didn't marry anyone. Wait a minute. I did. I married, I married Davis, didn't I? Okay, I'm, I'm married, I married uh, Davis from SMU. If you I could be right. That, I thought sorry. you said kiss, but uh, right. okay. I, I, I probably messed up. I'm just trying to kiss everybody here. You know, it's, it's all right. <laughs> all right. Before we let you go, one last thing with Adam. All right, Jesse, one last thing. What's your ideal baked potato topping? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's hard. Well, it's hard to go against the, uh, the melted cheese on top. I love sour cream, but I think I think you have to go with bacon, right? I mean, isn't bacon going to be like the top topping on most things? The little bacon bits. I don't know. You, you guys tell me. I would do. I would yeah. do a uh, cheese. If I had to, if I could only, if I had to pick one, I'd go um, sour cream. Hmm. But oh, yeah. three I different got all three. There that, you go. Yeah. There it is. The holy trinity of baked potato. Jesse, appreciate you coming on. As always, man, check out his work, Kansas City Star, KansasCity.com. Thanks. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, that's Jesse Newell. Again, check out his work, Kansas City Star and at KansasCity.com. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. RCST Trivia next. Three more first-round matchups continue on here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. We're back for more RCST trivia brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Kirk Geeser State Farm, McDonald's of Lawrence, Homefield Apparel, CBD of Lawrence, Pella Windows and Doors, RockChalk.io, Jayhawk Trophy, and Hawaiian Bros, winner of all our first-round matchups, including this one here. Between our 1 and 16 seed gets a $25 gift card to 23rd Street Brewery, our title sponsor. Every round you advance, you get another $25 gift card to the 23rd Street Brewery from the Bill Self Mac and Cheese to a Crimson Fog or Wave the Wheat to wash it down and an RCST Trivia t-shirt. And we've got a 116 matchup. Tyler Feist, who was a first-time appearer in this tournament last year, made it all the way to the Phenomenal Four, won the third-place game, and uh, Tyler went 5-1 and one in trivia matchups, 37-7 and seven on trivia questions. He was also featured in our Syracuse-UConn game last year, the six-overtime game where, I don't know, that, that one lasted 40 questions maybe, 35, I don't know. Uh, Tyler, have you recovered yet? Have you earned enough rest since that matchup? Uh, I have recovered, but I actually have, uh, I've had a kid since then. So, um, I, she's a good sleeper though. So she's <laughs> allowed me to get some rest. So, uh, it did cut into some of the study and preparation, but, uh, I studied as much as I could. So hopefully, hopefully that prepares me to advance again. Well, uh, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. You have the glow of, of new fatherhood, which that can push mm-hmm. you a little further, but also, like you said, a lot more, uh, sleepless nights there for you. Your 16 seed is Keegan. And, uh, obviously the seeding process isn't perfect, especially when you haven't been in trivia before. And that's the case for Keegan, uh, talking with Keegan before we got on here certainly seems like he's a lot more talented than a, a 16 seed could be, uh, you know, a pretty fun matchup that we have for you here. So, Keegan, thoughts on your seeding and uh, entering RCST trivia for the first time? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Uh, really, I'm just excited to kind of 
get with a couple guys and share knowledge of KU basketball more than anything. But when it comes to my knowledge of KU basketball, I would like to think I have the talent of a one through four seed. Like I was telling you, I'm a guy who knows random obscure stats from years and seasons and players that no one should just know off the top of their head. So I'm hoping under pressure I can pull those out today. Well, for most people, they say, you know, why are you watching all these or why do you know all these obscure stats? Why do you know all these things? Well, this is where it comes to pay off. You can win real prizes here in RCST Trivia for knowing those uh, things that others might deem obscure. So uh, we're going to go ahead and get the music rolling here as we get ready for our first trivia matchup of the day. The one seed, Tyler Feist. The 16 seed, Keegan Russell. Keegan, you're the lower seed, so you get to pick. Would you rather answer the first question or answer the second question? Let's go second. All right, so Keegan's going to go second. That means, Tyler, you're up first, our defending third-place winner here in the East region. Into the really easy category of questions for you, Tyler. Who led Kansas in scoring this past season? Ochai Agbaji. That's right, Ochai Agbaji, leading scorer by points per game and total points for KU. All right, Keegan, for you. Agbaji scored his career-high 37 points for KU in a double-overtime win over what Big 12 opponent from Lubbock earlier this season? Texas Tech. Who could forget that game? The three to send it to double-overtime. If he doesn't hit that, KU doesn't even get a share of the Big 12 regular season title. Who knows what their seeding would have been in the NCAA tournament? Maybe they would have been the fourth one seed and played Carolina in the second round and had a title game there instead. Who knows? Uh... Kind of the ripple effects there. Okay, on to the easy category for you, Tyler. What's the name of this Kansas wing who led the 2007 to 2008 team with 13.3 points per game? Brandon Rush. B. Rush is correct. We've had uh, two or three people so far in trivia go out on Brandon Rush questions. So uh, that's been kind of a soft spot so far early on in the tournament. All right, this one for you, Keegan. Although Rush led that team, the 07-08 title team, in points per game, it was this forward who rocked the number double zero who led the team in total points with 510 of them. Darrell Arthur. Darrell Arthur probably wins Final Four MOP, if not for some guy named Mario Chalmers. Gone to the medium round of things for you, Tyler. What 16 seed did Kansas defeat in the first round of the 2022 NCAA tournament? Texas Southern. Correct. KU had no problems with that game. That was very much not like uh, some of the other 16 seeds we've seen. Maybe, you know, it's been close at halftime and they just pasted them. Okay, this one for you, Keegan. Who did Kansas defeat in the 2022 Big 12 tournament quarterfinals? TCU. Mm, that was the semifinals. Yeah, the correct answer was West Virginia. Dang. It was the game that KU blasted them early, and uh, Bob Huggins got ejected in the first yeah. half. And uh, that does it for this one. So, Keegan, uh, it seems like you're kind of kicking yourself with that answer there. Is that one that you think if you would have taken a little bit more time to process, you would have got to the right answer? 100%. 100%. Just didn't think on it long enough. Uh, Tyler, uh, you're moving on again in uh, trivia. This will be your sixth trivia win. What's been your favorite prize that you've collected so far? Uh, 
I do have the trophy, uh, the Final Four trophy at my uh, desk at my office, so that's pretty cool. But that's probably second to the the 23rd Street Brewery <laughs> gift cards. I, I like that restaurant. Me, My wife and I went, so that was nice. No, the, the trophy is third. The gift cards are second. The fun you have along yeah. the way is first. The pride and the fun. Yeah. Ah, uh, uh, yes. That was yes, the right that was, answer. That's my cheesy answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you are getting another $25 gift card to 23rd Street Brewery, so congrats to you. Thanks for joining again in trivia this year, and we look forward to hearing from you next week. Keegan, we appreciate you joining this year. I know it was shorter-lived than you hoped it to be, but uh, we hope we get you back next year and, and you can uh, maybe make a deeper, deeper run with a higher seed next to your name. Absolutely. Uh, well, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. First trivia matchup in the books. Our one seed Tyler Feist, our 16 seed Keegan Russell. That's tough. I, I, I was worried. I don't know. I, I, there was part of me that was worried when he was taking time, mm-hmm. but then I was like, well, maybe he's taking time because he's trying to go back. He's like, okay, tech, okay, and then he just didn't quite go back far enough. That's a tough. I mean, it was. I think it was good for the medium round. Like it was mm-hmm. something you could potentially get tripped up on. But like something you you know a lot of, and I'm sure and look I'm sure had Keegan he even said it and he taken a little bit more time I'm sure he would have gotten back to it if it would have been like I feel like if you you know if it would have been in the easy category you would have added a little detail of right like, Bob Huggins game, got the, ejected the head right? coach got got ejected you know yeah that saying? is really the biggest difference between like you had you had certain tiers of questions yeah. just adding more context yeah 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 like the 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 I, it was the really easy one, right? The the he scored Ochai scored thirty seven points against right. this team from in Lubbock. Lubbock. Like you just keep if adding that exactly. The, those questions are meant to to be get you know to get right, and um, I'm sure Keegan is is kicking himself because that is one of those where it's I understood why he said TCU because mm-hmm. you're not used. No, it's just one round later. Yeah, and it's one round later, and TCU's like you're almost used to KU playing West Virginia later in the tournament and TCU earlier in the tournament, but they kind of swapped um, standings this year where TCU had a better year than normal, and West Virginia was down toward the bottom. Yeah, so uh, tough out there again. Like I, I feel like there's different types of ways that people go out. There's that way, which is. Man, if I would have just thought through it a little bit longer, mm-hmm. I think I would have got it. There's the way of I would have never known that any chance. So, yeah. you know, you just deal with it and tip your cap that's, to the opponent. That's the better. That's the way better. Way I think lose. it is, too. Um, that's almost like the ignorance is bliss way. And yeah. then uh, the third way is I hate you. This is unfair. <laughs> My question was way harder than I, the other guy. Don't I be don't, that guy, I mean, though. I haven't spent. Which we haven't had that this year. I don't think we've much this year. Nobody's publicly said it yet. That's true. I'm I mean, sure yeah, a couple look, people if, have If you want to go complain to your yeah, friends, I don't, I don't care. But I think they've we've kind of had most of them have kind of been like Keegan that you know they're 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 you know upset just, you know they're yeah, not happy. He knew it. He just, they're not happy you know. to lose, but they're also not throwing a fit or anything. They're just all right. Well, yeah. bummer it happens. Well, that is the you know like I I've said this the past couple of days like you know being in this tournament I think in years past. It really does help you, and and it's it's not just the like I keep saying with getting to know the questions and how the style goes. It's it's understanding the the pressure that's going to be put on you going yeah. into the day. Because again, like that's something. If I if I walked up to Keegan, I'm sure just on the street and was like, "Hey, who did KU play in the Big Twelve quarterfinals this year?" 
Should pop off right away. West Virginia, right? That, I'll, I'll, go it's, ahead. Sorry, you're on air. Me. You're on the radio. You have a 30-second timer there. I was going to say, you know. that felt like a perfect... I don't know this. I don't want to get you know try to pretend to be in Keegan's head, but it felt like one of those things you always say, uh, and usually you say this off the air as you're giving the little rundown to the participants, that 30 seconds kind of feels feels longer than you might think and, and but at times it feels shorter than you might think i'll bet in that i don't know this but i would bet in that moment because that was about 14 seconds that yeah. keegan answered i'll bet in his mind he was more like 20 22 yeah you know what i'm saying and then you, uh, the worst is once you like, start because it really about the feels clock, like you're yeah. going, oh my god i'm getting close i'm getting close yeah and once you start thinking about the clock you can't get it out of your head because yeah. then you're just thinking 23 24 and you're not thinking about the question exactly. anymore and it just becomes a problem. So uh, I hope Keegan comes back. Like I said, I I think that um, you know once you kind of dip your toes in the pool, so to speak, you'll have a better idea of the temperature. Knowing, yeah, I think that's a big deal. Knowing about it is is a big big deal. But congratulations to Tyler, who was a like I said, if if we had like um, what is it, ESPN Classic? Is that even still a thing? By the way, I think I don't know because with, with everything's YouTube, just on YouTube. Like, exactly, right? there's so many games on YouTube. Um, do but you it, think if we had RCST? classic or something like that um his matchup would be the the greatest matchup in trivia history from last year i couldn't really? remember if it was the the regional finals of the grade eight or if it was in the phenomenal four i thought it was in the grade eight but it was it was legitimately it took us like 40 minutes it was insane we had to stop at one point um go pee and i don't remember if we actually said this on air if i'm just revealing behind the curtains now no we didn't have to go pee we did have to stop though because we literally ran out of questions oh, we ran wow. out of questions that's so, like, awesome um, so that's that's the duke kentucky christian leitner yeah. 103 to 102 yeah. in overtime uh here's the big question that uh i think tyler needs to answer now mm. um i don't know how how new i know he said he's got a baby i, mm. I don't know how new the baby is but can Depending on how new the baby is, can newborns eat Bill Self mac and cheese? Mm. I think they can eat the mac and actually, I no, probably not. I would say it's no. just like yeah, they can probably eat like the the cheesy sauce. Yeah, maybe you know, maybe. just like drink it or just pop the whole thing in a blender. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I'm sure it'd still be actually really good. Um, do you think we're ever going to get to a point in this where like this is actually my hope? But like I don't know, we're like. 10 years down the road of this mm -hmm. and like we have all these guys who are mainstays like not everybody's going to be in it all 10 years right and some guys might miss one year some guys might stop playing after five years or whatever but my hope is that we have guys who are certain mainstays who are in this for like a decade or nine of the 10 years yeah. something like that and they become such mainstays that people who listen to the show become like in the same way that you become fans of college basketball teams or nba teams or whatever yeah. they're like i want to buy a tyler feist shirt yeah, okay. You know what I mean? We start like are we, are, are, we start is, having NIL is, deals. I was going to say, is NIL? We yeah, we start, start having NIL deals with contestants. We need to start, to start thinking about yeah. is, is NIL going like, to be allowed? Like, with their stuff on it, and they get a cut of it. I don't know if that's getting away from like the purity of <laughs> yeah, of, right. Of the, <laughs> Mark Emmert's like no. <laughs> and then we have people transferring for yeah. no reason, going to different conferences. Unbelievable. Now, uh, all right. Anyway, this is our CST trivia first matchup in the books. On to our second matchup. Coming up next, we have a 7-10 between Russell Heitman and the 10 seed Brandon Robertson. RCST Trivia brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Kirk Easter State Farm, Hawaiian Bros, Jayhawk Trophy, McDonald's of Lawrence, RockChuck.io, CBD of Lawrence, Pella Doors and Windows, and Home Field Apparel. This is RCST. Second trivia matchup of the day. It's a 7-10 matchup out of the Midwest here between Russell Heitman and Brandon Robertson. This is out of the 
South region, which is the top right region. So the winner of this will get our two seed in Tate Voback. And uh, in the case of Russell, he appeared in trivia once before. He went three and one in questions, but fell just short in that hard round of questioning for Brandon. This is his first appearance in trivia. So, Brandon, uh, how would you categorize your your KU fandom? Uh, let's see. Been a fan uh, since uh, probably '86 uh, when I was eight. That's the first team that I remember following. I still have my original, uh, you know, Danny Manning February '86 Sports Illustrated um, issue that uh, I still like to read from time to time. Uh, went to KU my freshman year at KU was '96-'97. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and for those of you that can't see, he just did a uh, father, son, Holy Spirit. After that. So, um, but yeah, been uh, you know, been a fan uh, most of my uh, conscious uh, life that I can recall anyway. Well, uh, Russell, you uh, were in this uh, one previous time. Um, what did you learn from your previous experience? Are, are you doing anything differently to get prepared for uh, this edition of Trivia? I needed to dive a little more deeper into um, deeper tournament runs of years past. I think it was uh, what got me out was who KU beat to go to the Final Four in 1993. You know, I said, what Southwestern Conference? I don't even know who's in the Southwestern Conference. That's not a thing anymore. So I had to go a little bit beyond just your basic facts and figures, but uh, just hoping to get the right ones today. All right. Well, uh, Russell, you are the 10 seed here, so we're going to go ahead and uh, cue the music as we get going. Or I'm sorry, Brandon, you are the 10 seed. So, Brandon, would you rather go first or go second? Uh, let's go second. All right, so Brandon's going to go second. That means, Russell, you're up first into the really easy category of questions for you, Russell. What is the name of KU's first team All-American from this past season? Ochai Abaji. Yep, Ochai Abaji. Popular answer to some of our easier rounds of questions with him fresh in people's minds. Okay, for you Brandon, KU had two different players earn different Defensive Player of the Year awards in the 2020 season, so 2019-20. Name one of the two players who brought home a Defensive Player of the Year award in 2020. Uh, Yudoka Azubuke. Yep, Yudoka won one. Marcus Garrett won the other. And if that didn't tell you how good that team was defensively, I don't know what would. Okay, on to the easy round of questions. This one back to you, Russell. What jersey number did Thomas Robinson wear at Kansas? Zero. Yep. Or the uh, number zero. A lot of good players have worn that number zero. Okay, for you, Brandon. What jersey number did Darrell Arthur wear at Kansas? And I need you to be very specific with this answer. Uh, he wore double zero. That's right. Double zero. Needed you to be specific there so you didn't just say zero. Yeah, double zero, the answer for Darrell Arthur. Off the top of my head, I don't know if I could name another KU player that wore double zero. You could name others that wore zero. I'm, I might have one, but I don't want to give it away as a potential future answer. Okay. Slash look like an idiot we'll on the talk radio. about it off air. All right, uh, back to you, Russell, into the medium category. Despite losing to Wichita State in the second round of the 2015 NCAA tournament, this Wichita native led the way for KU with 17 points. Harry Ellis. Harry Ellis, hailing from Wichita. 
Spent time at Kansas for eons and eons. Okay, on to you, Brandon. Despite losing to Bucknell in the first round of the 2005 NCAA tournament, this Leavenworth, Kansas native led the way for Kansas with 24 points. Uh, Wayne Simeon. Yep, big dub. What a career he had. An important two points that he missed out on at the end. Otherwise, Kansas would have won that one. Yeah. I think when you watch the shot, it looked like it was going in, but just didn't fall for uh, Big Dub. Unfortunate end for him there. Okay, on to the hard round of things. We're going to switch up the music a little bit, get a little bit more intense in here. Back to you, Russell. What KU forward holds the school record for most points in a Big 12 tournament game with 31 of them? I'm going to guess Marcus Morris. Not a bad guess. The correct answer, back to Big Dub, Wayne Simeon. He did it in 2004, and this makes it even more fun. He did it against Missouri in the Big 12 tournament. 31 points. Quite the game for Big Dub. All right, here's your chance, Brandon. What KU player holds the school record for most three-point makes in a Big 12 tournament game with eight of them? Ten seconds. Uh, Mario Chalmers. <laughs> that is correct. I don't know how much that was just a back-against-the-wall throw-up a, a half-court shot there with Mario Chalmers. That is the correct answer. He had eight of them. That was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that was a Big 12 championship game. Oh, eight right? against Texas, I think. Big 12 championship game, eight made threes. And he didn't have the record for most points in a Big 12 tournament game. No, which is crazy. got him by a point. Yeah, he did. He got 30 that game. Uh, so I guess we'll start with you there, Brandon. Was that just a pure guess, or did you have kind of an inkling there at all? Um, more more so guess than inkling. Uh, I knew I knew he had a big game um, against Texas, uh, so I I couldn't think of anybody better. So I threw Mario out, well, not knowing that I had a little bit of uh, cushion. Uh, since Russell missed, helped a little bit. Well, yeah, Russell, that's that's an unfortunate end. I'm, I'm sure you would rather him just be like, you know, I, I knew all the answers <laughs> to all the questions there. Um, so I, I know that doesn't feel great, but that is part of the, I guess, uh, the cruelty of this tournament. It's also what makes it exciting. It's like the NCAA tournament. Sometimes weird things just happen against you. Sometimes you're playing Ollie for Oakmanesh and he just cans the big three against you in the second round. Um, so you go out in the hard round again. Uh, did you know the answer to Brandon's question there? Just like last year, I knew the answer to the other one. Mm. Um, I, I, for, it was like 99% sure. Part of me wanted to think Boshi just because he's the three-point guy, but I remember watching that game and Chalmers had, I think, seven in like the first half and then hitting the last. So, yeah, it was – I knew it, but it is what it is. 
Well, congratulations, Russell. I know you didn't get your first win yet, but I think everybody would would know that you were a very good contender, and that first round win is coming. We hope we get you back next year because I think I think you're due for it next year. Brandon, congrats on uh, the win there on that big time shot. That was like a buzzer beater. I think would be the equivalent there, the first round matchup. Thank you guys both for joining trivia. Yeah, you betcha. Second matchup in the books. That was a good one. That was fun. You got it's the first time I. Did we even have to play the the hard music, the intense music yesterday? I don't. Do we even on Monday either? Good question. It's been a while. Um, I missed that. So music. Yeah, yeah, that. Uh, well, here, here's a little. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That's the stuff. Um. Yeah, that's. Uh, that was just a guy. I mean, and, and 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 I I appreciate the honesty that he just kind of threw yeah. a lot no, of guys. Like, I mean, it, it, you know, I think he probably had the same. Um, I think you probably have the same mindset, uh, you know, Boshi, Sam, like just go through. All right, ten seconds. Okay, well, whose guys? No, I mean it's, a, it's like an educated right. guess, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he wasn't, you know, saying like you know it, it would have you know one of the Morris twins or mm-hmm. something like that. It was it was just like all right, who made a bunch of threes? All right, Chalmers. I said this before. I think it was when Leslie beat Dalton in the four thirteen matchup earlier, and Leslie just like guessed on the last two. That that's like a more cruel way to lose. It really is. Where you know your opponent just lobbed something like yeah you know it's like okay do you remember the I don't know why I keep like talking Northern Iowa today for some reason do you remember the Northern Iowa game against Texas and I don't remember what year five six seven years ago sixteen or yes, so yeah, something like that or seventeen I think it was sixteen Northern Iowa was an eleven seed Texas was a six they heaved and one yeah I think Jesperson somebody like that I don't know that sounds familiar hit like a half court shot to win the game yeah and you just like if you're a Texas fan or you're a Texas player I'm sure you're just sitting there like really. Like that's how we lose. We made this make a comeback. We had all these plays. Yeah, that's how that's, we lose. That's I agree. That's a tough one. It's I don't know. It's and and that just feels more difficult. Well, it 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 takes longer to set in. I think you're just like, <laughs> there's no way that happened, right? Like you just keep going through. I don't know. It's like losing on a hail mary. Yeah. I think. Well, that's the thing too. Like it's it's not as simple to say like, oh, well, you lost in the first round. Like the the beauty of this is that. If Russell ends up winning that matchup, like he very well could make a deep run in the tournament, but yeah, because yeah, yeah. just that one little ripple effect, or Brandon's moving on, and tip of the cap to Brandon. Yeah, hey, that was nice job. I mean, don't don't. It's way better to do that than to just let the time expire. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would have been smarter for him to guess. I mean, Yudoka Azubuki for who made the most threes over. Right. You know, but that would have been smarter than just letting the time go. If he would have guessed Yudoka Azubuki there, I think we would have had to just kick him from the competition. Yeah, because well, Yudoka, obviously, um, that would have been a stupid question for <laughs> Yudoka, obviously, because he didn't play in any Big 12 tournaments. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the reason That's it's the reason, yeah. yeah. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. Second trivia matchup in the books for the day. We got one more coming up today. We have four coming up Thursday, four more coming up Friday as well. The last matchup, 8-9 matchup, typically good matchups. We said that earlier, though, in our last 8-9 matchup. Uh, I, what did it end? First round, second round, so hopefully a little bit better this time. It's between Jim Scherer and Drew Jarrett. That on the other side. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Third and final trivia matchup of the day here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk features an 8-9 matchup 
Jim and Drew in the 8-9 matchup. This is out of the uh, East region, which the winner of this will play the winner of our earlier game today with Tyler Feist, the one seed, moving on. So 8-9 uh, matchup, Drew, you were in this last year. You were a, a late fill-in uh, for somebody who had to back out last minute, and you, you answered the call. You, you found the bat signal on the wall and uh, came in. This year, you didn't have to worry about that. You got your uh, registration in. You, you joined the tournament. Everything's all good. So what did you learn from your first edition of RCST Trivia, and, and have you done anything differently in getting uh, prepared for year two? You know, I learned that the timer goes quick, uh, a lot quicker than uh, you really think 30 seconds goes by. Um, you know, I, I still I remember the question that I missed, and it was about the uh, Villanova Wildcats. And uh, just it's been eating at me really for the last year and uh, just know that I should have gotten that question right. But as far as doing anything different, I haven't done anything different this year. Uh, I've got a toddler running around at home, so he takes up most of my time uh, to be able to, to devote to studying my, my KU basketball history. So I try as best I can. Yeah, we've heard that a couple from new new parents about how it's uh, hindered their earlier their study today schedule. that it worked out though the new parent won in his round. Yeah, so we could have a uh, couple parents with young kids. I don't I don't know what your kid situation is, Jim. Not to get too personal here, but um, you are the eight seed in this region. You've also been in trivia one time before. Uh, do you echo that sentiment from Drew? Have you done anything differently here, uh, getting ready for your second edition? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I prepared a lot more this year. I thought, <clears throat> I thought, I thought last year I would, would be able to come in and just, you know, spout off and, and go on a run, but, uh, uh, done, done some training with some, uh, some people who advanced very far last year. So, Ooh, do you care to share any names of, uh, friends that have kind of helped you along the way? Uh, yeah, Kyle Martin, Andrew Filer. So, okay. Yeah, well, this this uh, story grows a little bit deeper than with the uh, Filer Martin rivalry yet friendship that help each other out. Now, Jim, part of that as well. All right, so uh, Drew, you're the lower seed as the nine seed. Do you get to pick here? Would you rather go first or would you rather go second? You know, I went uh, first last year and I kind of regretted it, so I think I'll go second this year. Okay, so that means Jim, you're up first as we get the music rolling here in our final trivia matchup of the day. Jim, first up in the really easy category, what round of the NCAA tournament game, or I'm sorry, what round of the NCAA tournament did Kansas play North Carolina this past season? Uh, you went the the round number or like the the name of the game? Yeah, any variation works. This is the really easy column. All right, national championship game. Yeah, national title championship game. The, anything you want a title game, I don't round care. Round six. Yeah, yeah, round six. Whatever you wanted to call it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Drew, for you, who did Kansas play in the 2012 National Championship game? Kentucky. That's right. That one didn't go as well as the 2022 game. Okay, on to the easy category. This one for you, Jim. This red shirt freshman wing led Kansas with 15.9 points per game in the 2012 to 2013 season. Uh, ben Macklemore. That's right. We had a similar one with his jersey number missed earlier, but nailing that one with uh, B Mac. Okay, on to you, Drew. Second on that 2012 to 2013 team with 13.7 points per game was this center. 
I'm going to go Jeff Withy. That is correct. Jeff Withy, the starting center on that team, beyond being a beast on defense, second on that team in points per game. Okay, back to you, Jim, into the medium round of things. In the 2018 Big 12 Championship Final, KU set the school record for most threes made in a Big 12 tournament game with 15 against who? Uh, 18 West Virginia that is correct the 2018 uh, West Virginia game was was a really fun Big 12 tournament and uh, Silvio DeSosa played a pretty key role okay on to you Drew as Jim able to, to find that one with the clock winding down in the 2003 Sweet 16 Nick Collison went for 33 points and 19 rebounds to help KU defeat what ACC opponent? Sweet 16. Sweet 16-03, ACC opponent. Oh, my gosh. Oh, uh, oh they played Duke that year. That, that is right. Duke. See, use the clock to your advantage there. You you work through it. Think through, and Duke is the answer. 33 and 19. What a guy. Okay, now we're going to get a little more intense. He's very clearly tired in the Elite Eight after that because he uh, they needed Heinrich to really show out in the Elite Eight that year. I think Heinrich had, I don't know, 28, something like that. Might be a trivia question later. Anyway, uh, back to you, Jim. Ben McLemore holds the freshman record with 37 starts for KU. Two players are tied second on that list for starts by a freshman at 35. One is Andrew Wiggins. The other was one of his freshman teammates. Who is it? Is it Devontae Graham? Graham was a freshman the following season. The correct answer is Wayne Selden. Mr. Pretty Eyes. Yeah, Mr. Pretty Eyes. On to you, Drew. The next season, 2014-2015, saw what KU freshman set the school's record for free throw makes and free throw attempts in a Big 12 tournament game? Did you say 2014-15? Yep, so it would have been the 15 Big 12 tournament, though. Can you uh, repeat it one more time? Sorry, I got lost. Yep, in 2015 Big 12 tournament, what KU freshman set the school's record for free throw makes and attempts in a Big 12 tournament game? 10 seconds. Um, I mean, shoot, you just... Get an answer. You just said Devontae. Devontae, Devontae Graham. Correct answer is Kelly Oubre. Kelly Oubre oh, went 15 of 19 from the free throw line. I think that was against TCU in the uh, Big 12 quarterfinals. All right, we're going to stick around the hard category of things. Back to you, Jim. In 2013, Kansas was challenged by its 16 seed in the first round, but eventually won 64 to 57 against what school? 
Can you repeat it one more time for me? In the 2013 NCAA tournament first round, Kansas was challenged by its 16 seed, but eventually won 64 to 57 against what school? Is that Penn? Is it correct? Penn was the team Kansas played as the 16 in the 2018 NCAA tournament. The correct answer is Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky gave KU some trouble in that 2013 tournament, but KU pulled it out in the end. Okay. I would have guessed Penn, too. Yeah. Back to you, Drew. In 2015, Kansas rolled through their 15 seed in the first round by a final score of 75 to 56 against what school? Oh, come on. <laughs> uh. I mean, I, honestly, I have I, ten seconds. I have no idea. I really don't. I'm just going to give my hometown team a shout out. Uh, let's go, Wake Forest, Stephen Deacons. That is unfortunately incorrect. <laughs> um, the the correct answer is New Mexico State. Mexico State was KU's first round win as a 15 seed. All right, we're going to move back down to the medium category. You can leave the music. We'll keep it intense because this one's a uh, overtime thriller. Back to you, Jim. On December 9th of 1989, Kansas notched 80 points in the first half. Their most ever against what SEC team? Kentucky. That is correct. That is the uh, famous game that Rick Pitino never wanted to come back. And Roy said, hey, Rick, here's yeah. a timeout for you. I'll call one for you. Put up, what, 140, 150 for 150. the game? Okay, back to you, Drew. In the 2012 NCAA tournament, Jeff Withy notched a KU record seven blocks in one half against what ACC team? Uh, I believe 2012. I believe they played North Carolina. 10 seconds. Uh, no, they played North Carolina State. That's North Carolina State. That is correct. NC State, <laughs> Carolina. They Man. played both of them, but it was the NC State game where he had those blocks. All right, we're going to move back. Hey, up. I'm, from, I'm from North Carolina, uh, so the, I, I should know these, and that, that clicked with me for, for something right there. That was a big get at the very end. All right, this yeah. is a fun one. Love this. Love this. I'm sure both of you guys feel nervous as heck right now. Jim, in 2014, Kansas won one NCAA tournament game, came against Eastern Kentucky. What KU big man recorded 17 points and 14 rebounds off the bench to lead the charge? 14. Yes, sir. Can you repeat the... Totals for me one more time. Yeah, he had 17 points and 14 rebounds off the bench. Ten seconds. Uh, Thomas Robinson. No. T-Rob would have graduated in 2012. Yeah. The correct answer. Yeah. This is a long forgotten game because that team didn't make it out of the first weekend, but it was Jamari Trailer. What a game by Jamari oh, Trailer. Yeah. 17 and 14. All right, back hey. to you, Drew. 
Can you end the marathon matchup? In 2013, Kansas came back to defeat North Carolina in the second round of the NCAA tournament. What player led the team with 22 points? Oh, gosh. Ben McLemore. It was another wing with the team lead. Travis Relliford was the correct (laughs) answer of uh, 22 points. All right, let's move back down to the medium category of things. For you, Jim, 14 different players logged action for Kansas this season. Only three of the players who played any minutes did not make a single three-pointer. Name any of them. Um, Kyle Cuff. Ten seconds. Kyle Cuff did not play any minutes yeah. for Kansas yeah. this season. The correct that answer. That was tough. Yeah. It would have been one of either David McCormick, Bobby Pettiford, or KJ Adams. Or your answers oh, there. No. The Dave one is the one that, that you're going to be kicking yourself on. Okay. Back to you, Drew. 14 different players logged action for Kansas this season. Only three failed to attempt double digit free throws. Name one. Double digit for the whole season? Yes, sir. Uh, I mean, it's, well, it's got to be, it's got to be Bobby P, Bobby Pettiford. That is correct. Bobby Pettiford, Chris Tehan, and Michael Jankovic were the answers that would have worked there. So the marathon matchup ends. And uh, what a game back and forth between you two. That was, that was more of a defensive slugfest, but um, certainly high pressure, high intensity between the two of you. So, uh, Jim, looking back, now that you, when you heard the answer and you had David McCormick not hitting a three, and then Pettiford and, and KJ Adams, that one that you're going to be kind of kicking yourself on? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I was looking at that from the from the wrong perspective of things. So uh, that's how it goes. Yeah, it does. Was there one question along the way that maybe you missed that you you felt like I don't know was your your best opportunity to uh, kind of put the nail in the coffin there? Uh, no, not so much ones that I missed, but some of the some of the others that uh, that Drew got actually. There are, there are a few, I'm like, I know this, I know this, I know this, I know this. I'm like, oh, but uh, it's all good, man. That's how it goes. Congratulations. Yeah, luck of the draw. It's not uh, necessarily the most fair way that we do it. We don't do the best of seven and give you guys the same yeah. questions, but makes this more intense, that's for sure. Drew, um, you survived. You made your way through this. Uh, uh, what are you drinking after this? Water, beer, Gatorade? What, what's going to be the rehydration plan? Well, I got my water and my uh, national champion uh, a cup right here, so I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll have to keep it going for the next round. To just you know, maybe it's good luck. Did you know the answer to, or at least one of the answers to uh, Jim's question there on that last round? Yeah, I mean, I was pretty sure the the last one he missed. I mean, it had to be Dave. I don't remember Dave taking a, a three, even though he had that one game where he he made every jumper. I think that that he took uh, towards the end of the season. But I, I think I knew that KJ Adams didn't also didn't take a three pointer. So. Um, yeah, KJ that one, I think did, that one was a... KJ attempted one, he just missed it. 
Yeah. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, can I tell the name? Yeah, or you can it was, tell it. We because we were looking this up for research. I didn't want to put it yesterday. in here because I think it's too hard. Um, the game that he attempted, KJ attempted and missed a three. It was he was zero for one for the season. He tried to hit one against uh, Stony Brook mm-hmm. and missed it. I'm actually going to save that for a beat writer. So if they're listening, that might help you here. But well, guys, thank you for that. It was a wonderful matchup. Great way to send us off for trivia today, Jim. We hope we get back next year. Drew, congrats. You're moving on. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. That was our 8-9 matchup. We said this earlier. We had an 8-9 matchup. I think it was Matt and Justin. And, you know, 8-9 matchups are supposed to be a hard-fought, tight matchup. That, that was one intense. wasn't. This one was. Yeah, this was, was what fun. you expect. Yeah, that was uh, that was more the um, KU-DePaul 2000 overtime matchup. The other one you were talking about was more the uh, North Carolina Marquette from this year. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, exactly. Where, you know, not even a game. 30, 40, I don't know what they won by, 50, yeah. I don't know. But it was, man, that was something. Yeah, it was. And like I they, said, it, it, was, they, it was a little more of a defensive it was, it, slugfest. As, well, but. and it was as soon as they got to the hard. Like the medium they breezed <laughs> through. I'll say but it this, ended in the medium, funny enough. I know. I'll say this. I'm I'm glad um I'm I'm glad that it didn't go out on the uh on the the Jeff Withy uh blocks in the in the half against NC State. I thought he was gonna guess North Carolina. I did too, and I'm kinda glad he didn't because I thought that it, that was kind of one of those in betweens where it's like if you if you don't specify it's in the sweet sixteen, does that make it a hard question? But if you specify that it was in the right. sweet sixteen, does that put it in the easy it category? Too easy, right? So that's a that's a really tough one. I was I was very happy he got that though, because um that would have been a tough one to, to go out on. Yeah, it would have. Well, uh, thank you to both those guys. Like I said, good content there um, from Jim, who uh, unfortunately not going to be making it further. And Drew, who is, and he'll be taking on the one seed in Tyler Feist next week. That's going to do it for today's editions of RCST Trivia, brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Kirk Easter State Farm, McDonald's of Lawrence, CBD of Lawrence, Homefield Apparel, Pella Windows and Doors, RockChuck.io, Jayhawk Trophy, and Hawaiian Bros, our title sponsor, 23rd Street Brewery. we got four more matchups tomorrow, four more on Friday. This is Rock Chuck Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. As we get on to Kevin Flaherty of Twenty Four Seven Sports, you know I think I think Kevin would do really well. We should one year do uh, a trivia bracket with, and we maybe we do this like in person at Twenty Third Street Brewers. On they find a day that works for everyone and uh, do a trivia with just like the beat writers and our guests and friends of the show. To make I think it, Kevin would do really well. To make it more competitive, would you want to do it the way we do this, or would you want to do it like a Jeopardy style? I think that one we do Jeopardy. Maybe we even team them up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then nobody feels like, hey, I completely messed up. Then it's like a team thing. And so we we would do like cross um, uh, publications. So like Newell could be with Tate. <laughs> right. And C.J. Moore could be with Flaherty. Yeah, we'd flit. Like, we'd, we'd, we'd split up Flaherty and, yeah, and yeah, Michael we, Swain. Exactly. or Exactly. We wouldn't want just two guys who work yeah. in the same publication. We'd want, uh, you know, cross cross publication yeah. harmony. Well, Kevin, do you agree with this sentiment? Would you uh, be good at trivia? You know, our uh, our actual trivia team went to nationals wow. in uh, in New Orleans a few years ago, but and I was. I was kind of the sports ringer uh, on that team, I guess. That was that was the one area that I provided any level of strength in. Um, 
we had other people who were a lot better at pop culture and, and things like that. But uh, but no, I'm not. I'm actually not sure I'd be great all by myself. You know, I was I was probably one of the top couple uh, kids at our school in, in spelling and things like that. But I never did well at the spelling bee, like in that format, I didn't do as well. And so it's, uh, I, I don't know if I, I just choke when I get up there or, or what the deal is, but if you guys want to get me, uh, get me some help or a ringer in there, maybe I can do all right. <laughs> I, I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit. I think you do a good job. Um, <laughs> this is not a trivia question, just a regular question. Kendrick Davis has narrowed down his list, five teams on the list. Now it sounds like Memphis is certainly the front runner there, for his services for the transfer from SMU, but um, just potentially, if he did choose KU, uh, what would that fit kind of look like? How good of a potential fit would it be for Kansas? It'd be a terrific fit. I think when you look at what Kansas is going to want in the transfer portal, a lot depends on what we don't know yet, right? Like you're, if Kansas is going to pursue, say, a four, you really need to know what Jalen Wilson is doing, and you're probably not going to pursue that type of guy until you know what Jalen Wilson is deciding. And that's why I think Kendrick Davis is is interesting, not just because of his ability and, and the fact that he can play on or off the ball a lot like Remy Martin, so you could see times where he was your starting point guard or, or was the the primary ball handler out there on the court. And you could see him play alongside Dewan Harris at times. And so that's sort of the guy right now, as we know what we have, you know, right now with the Kansas basketball roster, that's the type of guy I would see them pursuing is somebody who can play on or off the ball, can play alongside Dewan Harris, has the shooting and and playmaking ability to do that because let's be honest, I I'm not sure a lot of people gave Dewan Harris maybe the credit that he deserved for this past season. Kansas doesn't win a national title straight out without Dewan Harris, without the defensive burst that that he gave them at multiple points, without him locking down Cam McGusty against Miami, the defensive burst that he gave them against North Carolina, and that's just looking at defense. That's not looking at the fact that there were games where he hit big shots and there were games where he played a good steady point guard with the great assist to turnover ratio. And I think the other thing too, is people are kind of assuming that Dewan Harris is what he is at this point. And I don't know that that's fair given that he just finished his sophomore year. And with that extra year of COVID eligibility, he could technically play what three more years. Yeah. So, when you when you look at the way that certain guys have improved over the course of their careers, like Frank Mason was terrific as a junior, but Frank Mason as a junior was not national player of the year Frank Mason that he was as a senior. Wayne Selden was really good as a sophomore. He wasn't the Wayne Selden that he was as a junior, and especially before he suffered some injuries later on in that year. And so you've seen guys continue to grow we saw Marcus Garrett, who had one of the weirdest, uh, I think, hitches in his shots that we've seen from a Kansas player really grow as a shooter over the course of four years. And so I think when you look at what Kansas would want to add in the transfer portal, and I know this is a really long answer, you want somebody that can help out Dewan Harris when Harris goes out but you also want somebody that can play alongside him and complement him 
because Harris is going to be a big part of what Kansas does over the next few years. And, and I think he's going to continue to improve and, and even get better from where he was here. Well, I, I think that, you know, the way that I'd put it with a lot of the, the roster still in flux, and we had Jesse Newell on earlier, and, and he was 100% right with, you know, a talented guy like Kendrick Davis. If he says he wants to come to your school, you figure out the rest later and you make the rest work. Sure. But I, I do think it is interesting that with KU still trying to, you know, and maybe the coaches already know what's going to happen, and we just haven't seen the official announcements, but uh, with decisions of, of Christian Brown and Jalen Wilson looming and uh, who's staying and who's going as far as the transfer portal? Does everyone come back? Does one or two guys leave? Like, what does that all all look like? Um, I, it makes me wonder if KU being on the list and him committing this soon before KU may know a lot of that stuff. Either it is just someone that's on the list that has interest and it's just on the list for the sake of, hey, this looks cool to have on the list, a high school like Kansas, um, either that or maybe he, which means the coaching staff knows something and relayed it to him about um, who's staying, who's going, and, and it could open up playing time in, in some way or another. Yeah, and I think that players a lot of times in the transfer portal do get those kinds of answers, and so I'm not suggesting this is the case necessarily, but right now we don't know if Joseph Yesifu is coming back. And that's not to say that he's not. I'm just saying we don't 100% know yet. And so there could be a conversation there where it's, well, we like Dewan Harris, you know, we really like Bobby Pettiford, but are are we going to have the kind of depth at guard that, that we really need? And I think the other thing that's interesting, too, is you're bringing in some really talented wings. When you look at MJ Rice, when you look at, at Grady Dick, and if you wind up pulling back either Christian Brown or Jalen Wilson, never mind both, you know, you're going to have to kind of move guys around it and find out some ways to maybe get the best out of everybody on that roster. And so I do think that you can learn a lot by who you pursue, not just in terms of what the coaches perceive the needs as being, but also potentially, hey, maybe there's there's a roster move coming here, or maybe the coaches would like to play a certain style with the guys that they have coming back. And I think that that was hugely instructive with North Carolina this past year because Hubert Davis took, out, took over that job and like two seconds later, he had two stretch fours. And North Carolina, for what, the previous four or five years, maybe even longer, had played two traditional big men, basically clogging up the paint and just going for offensive rebounds. And so you can learn a lot, I feel like, by the types of players that you're looking at. I agree with what Jesse said. I do think Kendrick Davis is one of those guys where, hey, if he's interested, you swing on it. But I also think, too, that he represents an interesting fit with the guys that we think are coming back. We're talking with Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports here. I do want to talk a little KU football. We've seen, I don't know, around a dozen or so players leave the program now for, for KU after the spring game uh, to transfer. Uh, most of the guys, though, I don't think were either playing much or uh, were expected to, to impact the roster to a heavy amount, maybe outside of a guy like Deuce Mayberry. That was until yesterday when L.J. Arnold entered into the transfer portal. How big of a hit is that for KU? You know, I, I do think that that's a pretty big hit. And we've seen several wide receivers leave. And, and obviously we had the comments from Lance Leipold this spring that indicated that they felt like there were too many wide receivers on scholarship. 
and they wanted to to try and maybe clear some of that out because they had other needs elsewhere. They had other scholarship needs elsewhere. And, and I think even beyond that, I, I think there were certain players that were invited into the program to play a certain style that is not necessarily the style that, that Leipold and, and company are, are running out there. And I think that that's been something that's been instructive as well. You look at a guy like, Magic Rector, it's not that Magic Rector can't play at Kansas. I think the ability is there. He's really quick in a phone booth. He can do a lot of great things. But when you look at what Kansas wants to do as opposed to what it wanted to do under Les Miles, and you look at it being, you know, slightly more air raidish, you know, that maybe played into Rector's skill set a little more as opposed to, hey, we want to run outside zone. And if you're playing slot, you may get five targets a game, maybe seven targets a game, whatever the amount may be, but we also need you to be able to bow up and go hit a safety or a linebacker when we run the ball in your direction. And for a guy who's, you know, 155, 165 pounds, that's that's maybe not necessarily where his strength lies. And so I think that some of it's stylistic. Uh, I think that some of it is, it is maybe, you know, a little bit of cleaning things out and trying to get the scholarship count back to, to where they wanted it. And I think the other thing that people don't realize, maybe, Derek, is the fact that this is one of the most popular times of the year for people to transfer in college football is after spring ball, a lot of guys find out sort of where they sit and they find out, you know, hey, maybe I'm not going to play as much as I want maybe things aren't quite going to the level of where they thought they would be. And so you do see those transfers. And, and that's why I think LJ Arnold is a little bit of the exception there. I think LJ Arnold would have started at receiver for Kansas. I don't know if he would have been, you know, quote unquote wide receiver one, because I think that Kansas is likely, especially with the open scholarships to, to go out and try and pursue that kind of guy in the portal but you're talking about one of the guys who probably would have been one of Kansas's most talented, you know, targets out there. He was a guy that I remember specifically discussing with our rankings guys whether or not he was going to be a four-star player. He was six foot three. He had a, a twenty-two-five, I think, long jump. And typically, you say anytime anybody jumps anything over twenty-two feet, they're they're pretty athletic. And so to have a six-three guy with that kind of athleticism, the body control and the different things that that he could do. Yeah, it, it really does seem to lose LJ Arnold and maybe sets that one a, a, in a little bit of a different spot from where some of these other departures are. Well, on on the bright side with with all these players leaving and again, even though you do have some like Arnold and Mayberry who were going to contribute to certain levels um, with a lot of them maybe not being contributors, like how much flexibility how much opportunity does this give KU uh in the transfer portal to work with this offseason yeah I think you have some flexibility to to go add some some players that maybe there there are even some guys Derek that I'll, I'll tell you guys that KU and you know looked at who were 2022s who were say junior college players that Kansas didn't you know didn't wind up going ahead on but there were guys that Kansas tracked and continued to track sort of through the process. And with scholarships opening up, maybe you have a spot now for this junior college offensive guard, you know, to, to come in and, and add some depth. Maybe you have a spot 
for a transfer portal wide receiver, whereas, like we said, what was it, a month or two ago that Leipold's comments came out where where he said at that press conference they had too many guys on scholarship at wide receiver? Well, now, you know, those numbers are cut down, and so maybe you can go out and get the type of receiver that you really want to get at, at those positions. And so it does give you some roster flexibility and an ability to, to kind of divvy that up. And that's the challenge, I think, for Rob Ionello now is you look at it now and say, okay, how many of these guys do we want to bring in for immediate help? You know, junior college players, transfer portal guys who are more established, et cetera. And how much of it are we going to move forward and, and try and add young players to the program, either through high school scholarships, you know, or through transfer portal guys who who maybe aren't as proven but have three or four years of eligibility left. And so there is a lot of flexibility there, and, and that's one of the things that I think makes Kansas one of the more interesting schools to watch in the transfer portal over the, over the next month or two. He is Kevin Flaherty. You can check out his work at 24-7 Sports. Kevin, before we let you go, one last thing with Adam. All right, Kevin, one last thing. Spell trichodescophobia. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry, I mispronounced it. Triskaidekaphobia. Country of origin? I don't, well, I assume Latin because it's phobia. It's fear. Use it in a sentence, please. Um, please spell Trisca whatever. Derek, stop, Derek stopped counting at 12 because he has triskaidekaphobia. See, the answer is no, but I just got a full minute on ESPN of FaceTime by asking those extra questions. Yeah, yeah, nice job. Good job. That's very smart. Very smart. That's why he's a uh, trivia expert as well. But spelling, maybe not. <laughs> I don't know who knows how to yeah, spell that. Not, a, not on that one. Not yeah. on that one. He's Adam Dravetta. Uh, thank you for the question, Adam. Kevin, appreciate you coming on. As always, Kevin Flaherty, 24-7 Sports. Thanks, man, for the time. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. That's Kevin Flaherty with Adam. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Andy Stewart, head coach of the KU Rugby Club, comes up next. Brought to you by Johnny's Tavern in North Lawrence. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Welcome back into RCST. We're back for another round of KU Club interviews brought to you by Johnny's Tavern. In North Lawrence, great food, great beer, great place to hang out at Johnny's Tavern in North Lawrence. And uh, third time's a charm with Andy Stewart, the head coach for the KU Rugby Club. And the reason we're having you on is, uh, I guess, first and foremost, you guys are headed down to Nationals. Last time we had you on, a couple weeks ago, uh, we talked about you know what you had in front of you and that if you won both games, you would head down to Nationals. And this awesome opportunity getting to go down to Texas and um, I don't know, you said the game might be televised. I don't know if you have more more clarity on uh, that, but it'll be at the same site as uh, a rugby game down in Texas, a professional rugby game, and it's going to be kind of the, the prelude to that, so to speak. Um, so just go ahead and tell me what you got going on, and, and I know there's a lot of fundraising that kind of is, is in the works right now for you guys to, to get down there and have a good stay and everything. Yeah, absolutely, Derek, and thanks for having me on, mate. Yeah, we had a, we had a great weekend in the – in the playoffs, beating uh, UTSA on uh, on Saturday and then uh, Texas State on Sunday and two massively physical games, which is what we were 
were expecting, but we stuck to our game plan and, and we, we got the results that we that we needed to get to now go on to nationals. So, yeah, we've got a big uh, drive at the moment to raise funds to get down there. It's obviously a very expensive trip. We're taking a coach down and everyone knows what fuel prices are doing at the moment. So coaches yeah. are super expensive. And then we've got two nights stay down there in order to compete on the Saturday afternoon at uh, the Dallas Jackals uh, home ground, which would be an awesome experience for the boys. Um, so there's a couple of ways people can donate. One is through our website, which is just jhawkrugby.com, and we have PayPal and uh, debit and credit uh, card facilities on there. You just go to the uh, donate icon and click. Um, it's pretty simple. Um, or you can send checks into the KJRFC as well, um, and we can get you details on our socials on Instagram and Facebook if you'd, if you'd like that as well. So um, with regards to the, to the televising of the match, I know it's going to be live streamed on Facebook. We're still trying to find out this week uh, whether it will be available on a sports network, but we'll keep you guys posted uh, about that on our social uh, media sites as well. Awesome. Well, I'm going to be on the lookout for that. I'm really excited for you guys. That's awesome that you're heading down there. So please support them. Please uh, get because, like you said, it's expensive with gas prices, hotels, and everything. So uh, uh, let's make this thing happen for you guys. Um, uh, let's go back into those uh, those two games. So I, I came out for the uh, the first game, which you guys played against UTSA, and that uh, it felt like kind of a defensive standoff between the two teams. Um, is that something that you felt like has, has been a strength of your team this year, just the defense? It seems like you guys are just so in tune with each other and communication and everything. Absolutely, Derek. It's been a massive focus for us. You know, one of my sayings as a coach is uh, uh, if your defense is good, they can't score, and if they can't score, they can't win. So uh, defense plays a massive part. What happened on Saturday, though, with us in attack is we didn't take our opportunities when they presented themselves, and I spoke to the boys at length about that on on Saturday afternoon and how we adapt for the uh, Sunday game. And that's what they did do on the Sunday. They actually played what was in front of them um, and and really found the gaps, and we attacked a lot better. Um, But our defensive uh, alignment and setup and structure is is exactly where it needs to be right now to compete at that level, and and I'm very confident in in our defensive systems. Yeah, and you gave up just 10 in in that game as well against uh, Texas State and um, one thing that I, I found very interesting, like going out there and, and you know watching the games and talking to different people, um, you know, it, I guess it makes sense. It's like every other sport; everybody has their own strategy, or everybody does different things. You have you know baseball; some teams are power teams, contact teams, stealing teams. In football, you have you know speed teams, spread teams, teams who run power, and that's the case with rugby as well. You have you know uh, teams who maybe like the team you played on Saturday in UTSA. They had a kid on the flank who just super fast, and they would try to get him out on the outside and just kind of try to get kind of a one-on-one and, and let him fly by someone, whereas, um, you know, just talking around to some people, the, the team he played Sunday in Texas State was more of just a three yards in a cloud of dust. Like, we're just going to try to keep grinding our way up the field. I, I think that's kind of cool that you have those different styles and, and those different ways of play in the game. It, is that something where it is, like, you hear that term, styles make fights, where it really – kind of depends on on matchups how certain things go game to game yeah and you're dead right with texas state like they they were a super physical upfront team but and we knew that going in um what the way that you win rugby games is how you adapt so you've got to adapt your defensive system to match the team that you're playing on the day and utsa were definitely getting it wider where texas state were keeping it nice and tight but they were they were big boys and strong carries, and we knew that we had to be up front and fast on our feet 
in order to stop that. So we talk a lot about that at training, identifying when we have to change our defensive structure and then doing it on the field. So, yeah, the boys' uh, rugby IQ in defense is amazing this year. It's it's a really powerful tool for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, your guys' opponent um, upcoming, uh, do you know who it is? And, and what do you, uh, I don't know, do you get any, like, tape or anything in, in preparation for them? Yeah, we, um, so that game was on Sunday. It was between Fresno State and Western Washington, and Fresno State came away with the win. And I've watched, um, I've watched half the game. I'll watch the other half probably today. Uh, I don't get too caught up in tape. I think, uh, you know, it probably makes up about 10% of your preparation. It's nice to know what they might do on the day, but I know how we've got to play our game. And I'm not, we're not going to play the same game against Fresno that we played against Texas State. I think if you get too caught up in film, you become one-dimensional and you focus on one weakness that they may have looked at themselves over that week. So again, it's just that adaptability and, and realising when you've got opportunities in front of you in attack and when you have to adapt your defense to to match their attack. So. Yeah, how does that work with, you know, in basketball, if something's not working, you can call timeout and you can talk about it in the huddle. Same thing with football or just straight up in between plays or what you're calling. Um, but obviously with rugby, it's just constantly going. It's not something where you can just call timeout and bring your team in and say, hey, this is what we're going to change up to do. It's, I'm sure, more of an on-the-fly thing. So how does that kind of whole process work if you get into a game and, uh, you are approaching it one way or you're doing something one way and, and how you want to adjust. Is that something that you just have to relay into the players from the sideline and hope that kind of the message comes along? Sure. There are there are some stoppages during the game for things like penalties and injuries and stuff like that. And we have a system where the guys will get together in a circle and do what we call a breath clap, where they basically just take a deep breath and clap and try and reset. And that's them just resetting their head. I will send messages out to those guys during stoppages via a water carrier, but we really empower the players to recognise when those situations are in front of them. And that's really how they grow in the game is, and they mature as a rugby player is when they realise what's going on. The less I have to talk on the sideline for me is the better. That means I'm doing my job as a coach and these guys have really uh, matured in their rugby IQ. Well, uh, so awesome for you guys headed on to Nationals, and I believe this is the furthest the Kansas Rugby Club has ever gone. So already a historic season. Hopefully you guys can uh, take it home. Have Have you visualized at all what that moment would be like if you win, or is that something you're just not really worrying about? I'm not really worrying about that at this stage. Um, the guys know what their potential is, and all I'm asking them for d- to do now is to play to their full potential. And if we get the win from that, then we've earned it. All right. Well, uh, one more time. How can people uh, donate to the cause again with hotels and travel and everything to make this happen again? This is the furthest the Kansas Rugby Club has ever gone. This is a very, very big deal. Uh, what can people do? Yeah, if they just jump onto jayhawkrugby.com, uh, click on the donate icon, and you can go through the PayPal or a debit or credit facility there. Um, and then if you just earmark it for nationals travel, um, we'll make sure that it gets in the right bucket. Just give five bucks, ten bucks, twenty bucks. You know, just help out. Everybody, pitch in. We can make this thing work. Andy, appreciate you coming on as always, man. And uh, looking forward to seeing what happens in a couple weeks. Thanks, Derek. Appreciate it. And we'll let you know. All right, awesome, man. That was Andy Stewart, the KU rugby head coach. Again, donate to the cause. Uh, they're they're getting their way on their goal, but uh, they need a little bit more so that they can afford that travel and stuff. And again, playing that national championship game for the first time in school history. Cool stuff there. Your KU Club interview is brought to you by Johnny's Tavern in North Lawrence. If you'd like your club to appear on Rock Truck Sports Talk, you can shoot me an email, djohnson at gpmnow.com. I think we're going to have Women's Ultimate Frisbee on next week. So uh, looking forward to that conversation as well. And always nice catching up 
with Andy. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.